welcome. This is For the Love of Two Hippies podcast. I'm Sarah. I have Katie here with me, and we are a podcast all about spirituality, medical, metaphysical, um, weird, mysterical. I don't know. We just talk about lots of things sometimes. So today, our topic is about parenting with radical acceptance. Um, our last episode was about um, loving ourselves with radical acceptance. And we wanted to talk about that first, and then we wanted to talk about parenting. So I'm not a parent. Uh, Katie is a parent, but we've all been parented. So yeah. even if you don't have children, this is a good way to reflect back on during this episode to reflect back on yourself and think about how things would have been different if you would have been parented with radical love and acceptance. Or do you feel like you were parented with radical love and acceptance? And how did that impact you reaching your goals and your dreams and different things like that. So, and a really cool way to work on that inner child healing. Yeah, because that's how you kind of came up with the topic, right? So yeah. you're doing this with your kiddos and then you started realizing that your inner child needed a lot of this attention as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I found this quote <clears throat> when we were initially looking at this topic and it says once we have detached from our expectations of how another person should quote unquote behave and we encounter them as they are the acceptance we inevitably demonstrate towards them naturally induces connection and that's dr shafali sarberry my apologies if i don't say that correctly but uh i like that quote because I mean, a lot of what we talk about and what we do is so ingrained in us from society, from conditioning, whether it be religious or uh, school or parents or however that all gets in there. And so a lot of what we have to do as an adult is to sort of reparent ourselves. Uh, and it sometimes has nothing to do with the way that our parents did it. And, and a lot of, so like my stuff, and I've talked about this a thousand times. So, uh, but a lot of my stuff comes from religious conditioning because I was, you know, went to private school for the first 18 years of my life. Literally. Uh, <laughs> I was like, that sounds like so long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, so as I got older and as I had my own kids and tried to decide how I was going to parent them and how I was going to indoctrinate them, because, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're all kind of indoctrinated. Obviously, I didn't want them indoctrinated necessarily into that. So I kind of indoctrinate them with my own stuff because, <laughs> I mean, we're we all are indoctrinated. It's just how it yeah. is. Uh, and so I wanted to make sure that. Obviously, I'm far from perfect, but I wanted to meet them where they are. And I feel like a lot of that came from my own yoga practice, meeting myself where I was and not pushing things that weren't necessarily, you know, I don't know, important at that at that time. So, yeah, because I feel like when you're thinking of a child, you're thinking that I'm the adult, my rule is, or like my word is ultimate rule, and you don't know anything because you're a child. But we were all children, and we remember how it felt when we had something that was a legitimate concern to us or um, a legitimate idea to us. Like you can probably think of a moment, like I know I can, 
you can think of a moment where you came to your parents with something and they either didn't believe you or they told you it's not a big deal. Just get over it. But mm -hmm. to you in that moment, it was a big deal. It felt real big. It felt real big. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, you can probably also remember a moment where you were doing something just carefree and just doing your best and just living and loving life. And then you annoyed an adult around you and they said like, Hey, stop it. You're not even good at that. And then you immediately just lose that drive and that happiness and that love. And it probably had nothing to do with that. I think that's in the universe has your back book. I don't, it probably had nothing to do with you not having talent in whatever you were doing. It probably was the adult was tired and angsty and just wanted some peace and quiet for a long a day bit. at work and a long day at work. And yeah. so now you could have potentially been like a singer songwriter. And one of your, one of the adults around you said, you sing terribly shut up. And now your dream is over and you're in a cubicle for the rest of your life. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> you mean, I mean, you never know. It's always, I mean, that's even how Thomas Miller's story was, is mm -hmm. um, the, the sermon or pastor or whatever you want to call it that was teaching him at the seminary school. And the guy said, you're the biggest failure of my life. And he was meaning it as a drive to kickstart his passion and desire, but that forever embedded in him that he will never be good enough. And that mm -hmm. led to the downhill, like downhill spiral of his life, which eventually led to the podcast, which I'm so grateful for. But there was a lot of trauma that happened in between there and a lot of lives that were impacted just because this one person decided to, like forcefully push uh, like a thought onto them. Mm -hmm. And then for August, since um, it's now August, which this will be a little behind, but we're reading Lewis Hay, You Can Heal Your Life for our August book club. And there's a part in here where she talks about babies and how they're perfect. And so I wanted to read that because um, we are perfect and we are just told by society that we're not. And so I just wanted to read this little blurb and then we will get going on the details on parenting with radical acceptance. Okay. The perfection of babies. How you were, how perfect were you when you were a tiny baby? Babies do not do anything to be perfect. They just already are. And they act as if they know it. They know they're the center of the universe. They're not afraid to ask for what they want. They freely express, they express their emotions. You know, when a baby's angry, you know, when a baby is happy and because they smile and light up the room and they're full of love. Tiny babies will die if they do not get love. Once we're older, we learn to live without love, but babies will not stand for it. They love every part of their body, even their own feet. They have incredible courage. It says another word, but I changed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm giggling. You were like that. We were all like that. Then once we, then we began to listen to adults around us and they learned to be fearful and we began to deny our own magnificence. I never believe it when clients try to convince me on how terrible they are or how unlovable they are. My work is to bring them back to the time when they knew how really how to really love themselves. So I thought that was important because if we don't learn how to love ourselves, then our kids won't love themselves either. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like the key here why we did the first one first. And now we're going to dive into radical acceptance um, and with the kiddos. Yeah. Right. So, so, <laughs> so I think that it's important to note when we're talking about radical acceptance, it's not necessarily that we have to always approve or be like 
so overly the over the top uh understanding and i think that's that's one of the huge things that i have had to come to terms with lately there's there's uh a situation in my life which has involved me doing some more deconditioning and more really just surrender i think we talk about surrender here a lot because that is part of what I feel like we're supposed to be doing in the universe. We're supposed to kind of surrender to things that are happening in order to learn and to understand that change is one of the only inevitable things that we can know is going to happen. Change yeah. is, there's, there's no other it's thing that's going to happen other than change. And so ignoring what we need in those moments as adults, it can be easy to kind of say, uh, this isn't what I need, so I'm going to try to change what's happening. And rather than doing that, we can make this intentional choice not to waste this energy going against the reality of things that are happening with our kids. Mm -hmm. And in my life, I have a really big thing happening with one of my children and it has involved a name change and it has involved a lot of uh, things that I have to change for myself that has made it difficult to do so because I've been doing something that way for so long. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Sort of? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so when we kind of get used to that and we're stuck in this thing and, and we're worried about what other people think and we're trying to navigate all of that, we tend to meet things in a way that isn't appropriate. Yeah. So I, I think you're trying to say is that when, like change is inevitable with your child. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of issues that do come from parenting that of like co of like friends that I know, their parents won't relinquish that control. And then it becomes like, a, then they become like a tyrant parent. Mm -hmm. And then they only, that's how they show their love and affection is by like the, like the, you're not going to do anything without my permission and different things like that. And so like, I feel like that's one thing of like, if you just know that your child's going to be growing and going to be different and going to be um, experiencing new things, and if you know that that's going to happen and you just like let them have that freedom and then it's your fear that's keeping them from yeah, having the success. It's your fear and worry that they're going to eventually one day leave. And it's like, yeah, that's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's like, if you can, if you, if you can just, relinquish that fear and replace it with like love and freedom and but I'm definitely not saying like be the mean girl's mom where you're like you know <laughs> I'm a cool just, like, mom I'm the cool mom like right. the best friend like we're definitely not saying that either no. but we're saying that like let them be their own like let them be their own their own human and love them when they're trying new things and and love them through that right mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, and that's a really good point because I remember before I had kids or, you know, right after I had a newborn, uh, I was told by family members that control is the most important thing. 
you have to have control. If you don't have control, by the time they reach the teenage stage, it's going to be hell, right? And I think the control is the wrong instance here. I think it's control on yourself, not them. Right, right, right. So, because how many times have we seen that? Right. I mean, with your family specifically, it creates the opposite effect mm -hmm. because there's no, that's kind of what I was like thinking about in my head. When you, when you have that control and that like tyrant personality, then you, your child feels unsafe in the situation and they feel like they can't come to you and they feel like they can't be honest. And anytime they do come to you, they think they're going to get in trouble mm -hmm. or you're going to take more things away from them. And so then it turns into the, well, I'm going to lie and I'm going to do all these things behind their back because I can get away with it. Right. And it's like, you know, when things are going to, you know, when your child's going to start experiencing certain things, mm -hmm. are they going to be good conversations for you to have? No, they're not going to be fun. They're not going to be fun. Um, They're not going to be fun. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> I remember when my little cousin was like seven and he came to ask me a question and I was like, am I already going to have to have this conversation? And because he was like so serious. And I was like, how do I make sure that I'm professional in this situation and not like ruin this? And it was literally something like it was like about a TV show. But he came mm -hmm. to me with like dead serious. Like I thought something was like crazy going on. But there's that aspect of it because then it's not safe for them to come to you. So then they either go to other people that maybe don't have the same views as you or they are not like. I feel like other like other kids attract each other that are going through like that mindset or that like that troubled mentality. Mm -hmm. And if you can keep that, if you can keep the love there, but still have not control, but boundaries, like you respect their boundaries and they respect yours. And then it becomes more of the adult situation where it's not, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the parent, shut up. Your appointment, your opinion doesn't matter. This is what you're going to do because this is, this is, it's my house and you're going to do it instead of like fully explaining like, okay, so this is where these are my boundaries that I have set and you're here. And these are why I have them set and it's to keep you safe and keep me safe. So do you understand that? And does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. So what would something be when you have a house? Like, what would you change in your house? And like, you know, like create that safe boundary mm -hmm. where you're like, talking back and forth but it's like okay well while you're here this is what we're gonna do mm -hmm. and I hope that you respect that because I would respect your boundaries when you have your own house right yeah yeah and and this brings up you don't make yourself do better by making yourself feel worse and I yeah. think as adults a lot of us that have are working to fix that inner child or to heal that inner child a lot of us will beat ourselves up because that's kind of how it used to work. Like yeah. if you made a mistake, you were shamed incessantly for it and then you had to fix it. But in reality, as an adult, all that has made a lot of us have is high anxiety, heightened yeah. nervous system issues. Every Don't time we make, make a mistake, do a math problem in front of people. <laughs> every time we make a mistake, at, like even at work, we're afraid we're going to get fired, right? That you're not allowed to make mistakes. You're not allowed to have a different opinion. You're not allowed to maybe even voice your opinion necessarily. Yeah. And so I have had the 
thought process for a very, very long time that no one gets better through shame. And we've talked about that before. You're not going to lose weight by shaming yourself. You're A lot of what we're doing is actually causing those issues. And I can't remember what book it was. I think it may have been Atomic Habits that we had read that we had talked, that they had talked about specifically a lot of the things like that you're shaming yourself for are actually causing you to do those things. So if you're overeating and you're shaming yourself incessantly because you have overeaten, you're going to want to overeat more. Yeah. Right. It's like the self-sabotaging tendencies. Yeah. So sometimes when kiddos sense, and I'm speaking from my own heart here that they are different or, you know, whether it's neurodivergent or whether it's someone is gay or they're non-binary or they're just experiencing things different. I was very, very, very sick as a child. So I experienced that myself to where I had very little self-esteem and I had very little self-worth because I was always waiting for the next you know, shit to hit the fan or yeah. you know, the next time I was gonna have to stay in the hospital. And so that quote at the beginning where we're developing that deep connection with our children, it's easier, which we talked about in the last episode when we're accepting ourselves, when we are having that radical acceptance of ourselves, again, that inner child healing. So yeah. when we try to change our kid, like if my kid came to me and told me that they were, you know, I, a big thing right now that everybody's talking about is, you know, the, the gender thing, right? The non-binary thing. So if my kid came to me and told me that they were non-binary, it would be damaging not only to my relationship with my child to tell them that was not allowed, that I didn't believe in that sort of thing, or my religion doesn't allow me to feel that way for you, blah, blah, blah. It would be damaging to my child and to my relationship with them, to their self-esteem, to their self-identity, to all of these things. And again, like what you were saying earlier, they're not going to come to me in the future and tell me how they're feeling. Yeah. It's not and, easy. And yeah. And I had a conversation with my friend and she has, um, she co-parents with her child's father and he has a girlfriend and there is a situation where that girlfriend hit her child. Oh, and so Homegirl trying to her. catch a felony. That's what's trying to happen. Well, <laughs> so that was the situation and no one was aware of it because she was told to not tell anybody and not tell her mom. And oh so then God. when she did tell it, she wasn't sleeping. And when she finally did tell her mom and I was like, well, I was like, did anybody else know that it happened? She's like, no, she didn't tell anybody else. And I was like, well, that's good that you 100% believed her because if it did happen, and then you immediately rejected or thought she was making that up, that creates a not safe space forever now. Right. To where she can't talk to you about anything. Mm -hmm. So just like with that, like if that happens, if your child comes up to you with something like that, or maybe they're having different feelings than other people in class and they don't understand what's going on and they, they voice that opinion to you and you ignore it, or just like with probably us in anxiety when we were little, when we told people or like with you and your panic attacks, they're like, oh, you're fine. Like, just don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. It's like, no, like these are real issues. And so when I have another issue like that and I come to you then and you don't believe me, then I'm not going to um, come to you again. Mm -hmm. And I said, 
obviously, and she took care of the situation and everything. And, and I was like, and if that, obviously if that came out that she was lying, there would be severe repercussions for doing that. So she would learn that that's not, that we don't do that at all. But if it is true, then that's like very dire situation where she has to believe her because then forever she's going to say, well, if anything traumatic happens to me again, no one's going to believe me and I don't have any space for, for love. And Mm -hmm. so I thought that was really an interesting um, situation because I've never really known firsthand somebody to like go through something like that, I guess, except for like in stories, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But in situations like that, just like with what you were saying, that's like a, that's like a crucial moment. So it's like, if your child comes up to you with something, maybe you have absolutely no clue what to do or what to say. And you're really good about this. And we've talked about this. Sometimes your kids will ask you like intellectual philosophical questions. (laughs) And instead of immediately just being like, I don't know, that's a stupid question. You're like, or making something up that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. You're like, I don't know. I've never thought about that. Let me think about that for a while. So if your child comes up to you with something and you're like, thank you so much for telling me this. Um, This is something new for me. So let me try to figure out how to properly um, respond to you. And then we will figure this out together. And that's kind of the amazing thing about being a parent in the time frame that we are in now. It also makes things a little bit more difficult if I'm being totally honest. But in the grand scheme of things, like if you're looking back at when we were raised in the 80s, 90s, parents didn't have the same resources that we have now we were they relied on the church or the school or their own upbringing or all those things we now have all of this research that's coming in that says you know spanking is harmful it does do damage to children obviously you know we have all this research that's coming in that says uh you know supporting your child and you don't necessarily like i'm going through this right now and I don't understand what's going on because I'm not in that body. But what I do trust and believe in is that my child knows themselves. Yeah. And so I have to go forward on that path and just trust and believe that as we go forward day by day, that this will continue to be a learning experience for myself and my husband and I'm not going to allow the outside chatter of the world to dictate my support of my child yeah and I think that leads into when there is a situation where your child comes up to you and or it's something that you've never dealt with before uh instead of like this is the control thing. So one, Mm -hmm. you need to have not control of the situation, but control of yourself. So like control of yourself first before you impulsively or emotionally respond. Mm -hmm. Then once you have that control, think of it. Okay. What if I've never dealt with this, but what if what's a moment when I was a child that I wasn't supported or that I wish I would have had better support if I would have come up to my parents and asked this question. So it's like, Stop for the moment. Think, okay, if I would have come up to my to my parents with this question, how would I want to be? How would I want to be Mm -hmm. supported or reacted to? And it's like most of the time, probably number one, just giving them a hug, telling them that you love them. And then that'll give you a little bit of time to like mentally think about like, yeah, okay, what can I say for a second? Because ultimately, like you do love your child no matter what. I mean, how many people do you see? I mean, I watch a lot of true crime and you have somebody that even murdered somebody and their their mom and dad are still there because they're like 
I 100% don't agree with what you did, but I will love you unconditionally and I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, there's that undying support and connection with you and your child. And it's, it's not the, you can do whatever you want. You can walk all over me. You can whatever, but it's like, I love you first off, whatever you're going through or whoever you want to be or whatever you want to do. Like I love and support you. And that's the number one thing. And then that will get you yards farther. I'm not sure why I used yards. Right. Yards. <laughs> then um, that'll get you four house yards farther <laughs> than just immediately like, cause like sometimes I reactive, I reactively respond to something and it's like word vomit, emotional impulse. And it's mm -hmm. like, I didn't mean to say that. Like, mm -hmm. I definitely didn't mean to say that. And sometimes you just don't, you just respond that way. Yeah. And if you do, then 100% apologize nicely and say, Hey, I'm that you kind of caught me off guard. Um, I was kind of stressed today. I apologize that I reacted that way, but let's now have a conversation about it mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I so remember a situation one time we were in the car and my kids were just, <laughs> just a constant fighting. And I had, you know, it was a stressful day for me. I was exhausted. I had like, my nerves were up above my, like, I just, I, I couldn't handle it. And I yelled and I'm not normally a yeller. And it was a couple of years ago. And I yelled and both of my kids are bawling in the back seat. They're so upset. I pulled over in a safe parking lot and I stopped the car and I had both of them crawl over on my lap because at that point I'm crying, right? So all three of us are crying in the car and I pulled over and I had both of them come up into the front seat. I hugged both of them. I let them know that I was very sorry. What mommy did was not okay. However, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, how I, you respect me. I respect you. <laughs> right. However, mommy is very, uh, anxious today and I feel like if we're communicating those things with our kids here listen I'm having an off day this is what I need from you our kids yeah. are more likely to communicate those things with us and I remember yeah. as a kid being told well you're you know like you're nine years old what do you have to worry about you don't have bills to pay. You don't have a house to keep clean. You don't have yeah, this to do. You don't have that irrelevant. to do. And I'm like, okay, well, I can still have those big feelings. That's okay, right? Yeah, because now you immediately are told that your feelings are irrelevant and there's no space for your feelings. Right. So yeah. uh, I want we want to go through these steps of practicing accepting reality or just radical acceptance of ourselves and our children and I think this will this applies to both yeah but so kind of kind of like what we were talking about earlier yeah just a little bit more detail from yeah. this article we're getting from quickanddirtytips.com <laughs> right yeah that sounds silly do things better mm -hmm. okay yeah uh, okay, so step number one, notice your non-acceptance in the form of resistant internal complaints. Like this is an embarrassing, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad disaster, and it shouldn't be like this. So I think my internal complaint is often, what's everybody else going to think mm. for myself and my children? Because I don't parent the same way that I was parented. And so yeah. a lot of times when, you know, one of my kids says a curse word or you know, <laughs> they're in the back seat flipping each other off because that shit happens. I'm just telling it like it is. They are uh, 
a lot of my my brain power goes to what are people going to think about me or what are they going they're going to think my kids are feral and not <laughs> you know I wish I was a feral child <laughs> so sometimes especially as an adult we do have those thoughts of they're being so embarrassing right now like I remember my dad whenever my uh, oldest was three years old that my dad took them to Walmart and they were by themselves. It was just my dad and them. And they were in the shoe section. And my oldest wanted a pair of rainbow uh, uh, rain boots. And my dad told them no. And on the way out the door, my oldest had the biggest fit of their entire life. My dad the had three to, years of life. their <laughs> whole good. three years of life. My dad had to throw them over his shoulder and carry them out. My dad said it was so embarrassing. And on the way out the door of Walmart, my oldest threw up because he was so mad. So, you know, but at when the end of the day, they're just rain boots. Like, right. Like who cares what color they are? Right. They're rain boots. Right. And we've had that conversation since where it's like. It's like, it would have been different if it's like, you already have a pair of rain boots. We right. just got you some rain boots. You don't need another pair because it honestly doesn't rain that often here. They probably still would have thrown a fit. Right. Right. But, and that, you know, and I, I do think that was kind of an important thing to touch on there too. Like the fit was, they were mad. Right. Mm -hmm. And my dad did not know at the time how to handle it. And so instead of going, okay, well, you know. Papa maybe doesn't have the money for that right now or that's not in the budget or and I know that wouldn't have been the situation with my dad. But, you know, just having like the conversation of like money doesn't like you just because you're crying doesn't mean you're going to get something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, or, you know, maybe talk to mama about that when you get home or. <laughs> yeah. But, or use the forever like, oh, let's put it on your birthday or Christmas list. I do that <laughs> like, all the time. Yeah. All the time. Put it on your wish list <laughs> so everybody can see it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's smart, though. Yeah. Uh, so number two, label the feelings that come from these non-accepting thoughts like rage, irritation, frustration, agitation, all super common emotions when we're resisting something. So is this asking you to do that as the parent or yes, the child? As the parent. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it could even be something that like if it's rage, then like those are obviously other things that have come. Well, I guess not necessarily. Like if you're, if your child like tips over all of your plants and now you have this entire mess to clean up, like that would probably make me pretty mad. <laughs> So, like, not just because it's plants, but, like, soil sucks to get out of anything. Yeah. So it's, like, kind of a nightmare. But, um, or is, am I, like, reading that the wrong way? No, I think you're reading it right. I think that whenever we're not being accepting, that those are the things that pop up. And I, I think you, like, if your child was knocking over your plants, you would have a conversation and be like, yo, <laughs> Stop. let's not do that. And then because... they're like, but the cat does it. I know. <laughs> The cat pees in the bush, mom. The cat pees in the bush. What do you mean I can't do it? <laughs> and I think, it, you know, we're allowed to have those feelings. Like, it's not like we're trying to push them away and yeah. make them go away. Like, I had, you know, my husband and I, over the last several weeks, months, have had situations where we have been sad, where we have gotten in the truck together and just driven down the street and cried for 20 minutes. Like, yeah. 
and, and not because we're disappointed or whatever, but because there is some sadness with certain things that are happening. And so when you're losing a certain identity and, you know, I, but it's also like the fear that you're going to screw them up. Right. Yes. A hundred percent. I have to make the right call here so I don't mess them up. Right. And I think that's like the biggest fear that parents go through. Like, I know a lot of people that I, I hear that don't have kids and they're like, yeah, I don't have kids because I don't want to mess them up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, I think that that's what we're going, we're getting at here is that it's more important to show love now than have to try to show love later mm-hmm. and build a relationship later. Yeah. So it's like love first and then parents, because like what if a, if a kid, like you're not going to screw a kid up if they knock over your whole tree of plants and they know they're in trouble and it's like, listen, let's both just give each other a hug real quick so that we can both just think this out because when you immediately have that connection, then you're automatically going to be a little bit more like sincere to that person. So Mm -hmm. it's like, yes, I love you, but I'm extremely disappointed that you just did this. Right. (laughs) And yeah, mommy's a little angry, (laughs) like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but I still love you, but I don't want you to do this again. Yeah. So it's like, instead of what the hell? Why did you do that? And then you're, and then they're messed. They're so crying and they're freaking out. And then you're like, well, hold on, come here. Like, let me hug you. Like, that's opposite. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it's you like, can't oh. meet them at their crazy. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like, if because I meet like, your crazy with my crazy, then we're all crazy and it's not going to get solved. Yeah. Because you've already impacted those emotions where it's like, this is now, this is the only way that I'm going to show you attention is by you freaking out. Right. And I think that's when a lot of parent, or I think that's when you're at the store and a lot of kids are crying and freaking out. And it's like, because they know that they can get that attention and that love that they want by throwing a tantrum. Mm-hmm. And it's like, obviously that's just kids doing that a majority of the time because they don't know how to regulate their emotions. So I'm not saying that if your kid does that, you're doing it wrong. I think kids just do that. <laughs> yeah. Like I still do that sometimes. <laughs> like, no, I don't want to pay this bill and then I'll throw a fit. Well, and I mean, like, and that's like... And that's kind of what I was going to say, too, is a lot of adults don't know how to regulate mm-hmm. emotions. And, and I think s- that's because we were parented that way. Right. And we so were parented through like yelling. Right. Especially and, for and I think it's especially important for parents of kids who were assigned male at birth and how they are not supposed to show emotions or, you know, there's like TikToks upon TikToks upon TikToks of these poor little boys that are like running around in the yard and the dad is like, quit being a sissy. Why are you being a sissy? You know? And it's like, like, don't cry. Don't cry. Boys don't cry. You know? And it's like, yeah, that's also why the highest suicide point is males in their like sixties because they retire and they don't know how to regulate anything and they feel unworthy. Like, right. There's a reason for that. Yeah. (laughs) Your emotions are, they're, yeah. they're supposed to be there. That's what's supposed yeah, to happen. You're supposed to have those. And I think a lot of times society thinks or society has taught us that, you know, men are supposed to show anger. That is yeah. the emotion of men. And women are emotional in that they cry all the time and they do all of that. Right. So instead of just expecting our boys to be angry. Yeah to teach them to understand themselves. And I think that is really part of the next one. Notice how the frustration is showing up as the sensations in your body. So are you holding tension in any muscles taken? And this is for the parent, but I think it's also important to 
notice this for the kids. Uh, are they holding tension? Are you holding tension in any muscles? Take a deep breath and consciously release your clenched muscles as you extend your exhale as long as you can. So we do this a lot in yoga when we're in Shavasana, which is corpse pose at the very, very end of practice. And we're just laying flat on the mat. And I'll say, I will literally coach this every single yoga class that I teach. Allow your facial muscles to relax. Relax the space between your eyes. Allow your jaw to unclench. Allow your tongue to settle on the roof of your mouth. And as we do that, we start to realize where we hold all of our tension. Yeah. You're like, oh, I didn't realize that my shoulders weren't attached to my ears. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Whoa, those are supposed to be separate beings. Yeah. Um, and number four is allow the benevolent and friendly witness to part, to be part of your awareness and to acknowledge and make space for your internal experience exactly as it is. Direct compassion and validation towards these thoughts, feelings, and sensations. So this is, I think, what you were talking about. Like your your children can go through things that maybe you don't fully understand or or maybe maybe they're doing something that you don't necessarily like, and but you're going to support them through that. And your fears and worries and woes, like maybe they want to be like a famous BMX rider and you're terrified of motorcycles. Like that would be my biggest fear as a parent. Like I'm terrified of motorcycles. And if my child wanted to do that, that would be a big, like a big nope for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, like that would be very hard for me to accept that aspect of them and their personality and like what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It would be hard to do that but then when you're having that like witness and using your partner to validate those emotions like hey these are the things that I feel about this and um it's okay to feel like we're not saying like just once again we're not saying like let your child do whatever you want whatever they want and you're not allowed to have feelings towards it like no you are and you should have feelings towards it yeah and for how much you are supporting them and their feelings depending on their age obviously right. if they're like young you can't express your feelings because they're not going to understand the they're not going to understand how to have compassion necessarily when you're like well mommy doesn't like that you do this but i'm going to support you like that's kind of hard to understand depending on like how old they are mm-hmm. i would say but you can still like hey this is going to take some time and blah 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 mm-hmm. but um number 5 Consciously decide to accept reality. Imagine you're standing at the intersection of two roads, one leading to acceptance and willing, or, and then one non-acceptance. Intentionally and willingly turn towards the road to acceptance. And I think this is, you don't know where it's going to go, but you also don't know if you take the road that is non-acceptance, just 100% probably know that you and your child are not going to have a fully open communication open relationship for a long time because you may not understand it you may not know what's going on you may if you have never had anxiety and you have a child with anxiety you're not going to know what the hell is going on at all Mm -hmm. you're going to think they're making everything up sometimes i feel like i'm making my anxiety up and i'm an adult and i can like i can figure i can find that out myself but for me as a child like when I was having anxiety and, and I was like sleep deprived and I was screaming and I was having these tantrums all the time, it was because I had so much fear and I was so scared every single night I couldn't be alone. And my counselor 
told me that I was being a burden and I needed to get over it and I was making everything up. And so that forever told me that my emotions and my feelings were never valid in a space that I could be open. Mm -hmm. And the things that I was feeling, I was lying. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't lying, but that's how it, because it felt, I can still feel how scared I would get. Right. And so it's like, well, if I'm making that up, then I guess I better just get over it. So it's like, that doesn't create a good really. And so, and that was a person that I'm not related to that I don't even know Mm -hmm. said that to me. And that impacted my life until middle of college. Mm -hmm. But if someone would have stopped and like broke down why I was scared, it took me until 2020, March of 2020 for me to understand like where that fear was coming from finally. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if we could have potentially broken it down, I don't know if we would have actually gotten there, but um, it would have saved me probably 20 years of having severe anxiety and um, like weird tendencies that I created for myself. Mm-hmm. But I was just told that it wasn't relevant and I was not given a safe space to communicate. Yeah. And I love the act of visualization here. Yeah. The act of visualization make things a little bit more comprehensible because we do this a lot in meditation and my girlfriend and I were talking about this this morning. Uh, We were talking about how during yoga and meditation, we're kind of asking our body to show us different aspects. And so she was having a lot of pain, but she couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And so she, during this meditation, she would sit down and she would literally ask her body to show her where the pain was. And she knew exactly where it was. She had surgery. She told the doctor, the doctor got in there, looked at everything. She just had her follow up this morning. So that's why I know this, but she, her doctor got in there said everything looked completely normal and then I looked at your chart and saw where you felt like the pain was coming from and she had this mass sitting on a nerve in her tailbone and she says without that meditation and the yoga that I was doing I don't know that I could have communicated where I felt that pain was coming from and so this act of visualization we have lost our ability some of us have lost our ability to really comprehend that and I think it's so so helpful in in so many different aspects of our life and instead of playing this what if game which my husband and Mm -hmm. I and I have a lot of family members right now that are playing the what if game like because because my child feels different and because they are exploring a lot of things right now that our responsibility is to worry about what's going to happen or they feel like that's their responsibility to worry about what's going to happen 10 years from now and I don't and I have come to the point in the realization that I can only go day by day or I am literally going to make myself absolutely insane worrying about people that are going to hurt my baby or people that are going to bully my child because of the because of who they are yeah you know, and I can't live that way. So if I have, you know, and this is something that I have expressed to every single family member that I have, and I have worded it this exact way. If I have a family tree of support for my child, this family tree of support, your, my boundaries are, you will call the correct name. You will use the correct pronouns. You will do all of these things because for the safety and for the uh, this family tree of support, for these roots to go down real deep, we all have to be 
that support system because yeah. once they do go out into the real world and they experience things that are from bigotry or from conditioning or from whatever they know that back at home every single one of us has their back and that's not just in my four walls that's every single person that I know yeah that I expect this and if you're not going to follow the rules if you, and obviously there's grace in that right because I am giving my child grace and I expect the same of myself to show myself some grace when I get it wrong because inevitably for the last 12 years I've been doing it one way and I'm going to get it wrong because I now have to do it a different way so I am going to get it wrong and so we have had the conversation of as much grace as I'm showing you which is endless it's a boundless grace that you have from your mom and dad right now as much grace as we're showing you, we need grace for when we mess up too. And that grace yeah. is extended to every family member. And when you mess up, just fix it. Just say, oops, this is what I meant. Or, Ope. <laughs> oh, this is what I meant, right? And that's so this is the, that family tree of support. That's where, that's what our kids need. Yeah. And I think that's with anything. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, it, with any topic, anything, just like, Having that relationship and that support system and because there's a lot of things with um, just parenting in general that may be different from the generation before you. And it's like, this is how I want to raise my child and I would, this is how I want to raise my child and I would like you also because like my boyfriend and I don't have children, but if we did have children we wouldn't raise them how he was raised because right. he was raised in a specific religion and we 100% would not want the children to be raised in that religion. And so it's like, if you can't, and we've had this conversation, we have no intention on having children right now or at all at the moment, but it was like, if this, if we were to have children, this was the conversation that we would have. And it's like, this is how I want to raise my kid. This is the, the grace and respect that I, or this is what I expect. And if you don't want to do that, then you're not going to be a part of this, this like family tree and stuff. And that's mm -hmm. like very, that's kind of um, not, uh, not abrupt. I don't know what the word is. That's kind of like matter of fact, but at the same time, it's, it's like, no, like I want to raise my kids. How I want to raise my kids. And I think that we have the confidence for our generation that maybe our parents didn't have because we have we do have these resources like what you were talking about mm -hmm. we do have support and i think it is more um accepted to parent differently than um our parents were able to parent i guess mm -hmm. because there are so many things changing in the world and um there's a lot more acceptance towards being different as a parent and um i don't know yeah, just a lot of things that are more accepted and and widely known now that maybe even our parents had to keep secret, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so number six, focus on the facts of the situation, not the story you're telling yourself about those facts. So we have this incredible ability to make up how we think that people are going to react. I do it all the time. And I will literally be in the shower and be having an entire conversation with how I believe someone will react. Do you ever do yeah. that? It's where you're yeah. like, this is how I know they're going to react. And as soon as they say that, I'm going to say this. Yeah. So then you're not even actually listening. You're just right. waiting for that one response. And then you're already set up in an angsty situation where 
you're not actually listening and you're you're preparing the conversation to go one direction when it could probably go four or five different directions but Mm -hmm. in your mind you're almost manifesting that it's going to go badly because you think that's how it's going to go right yeah which is hard i mean just like at work like you're like you something's happening at work that you don't like and you want to defend yourself and so that's your main priority like well this is what i'm going to say when this person says this and Mm -hmm. it's like well what if that never even comes to that situation right and then you're already in that like angsty state and you can't actually have a conversation so like let's say your kid comes home and they've been drinking and you're already pissed off and then they're not going to listen to you because you're already mad. And it's like, I'm not saying that and you they shouldn't drunk. be mad at your child. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not saying you shouldn't be mad at your child because you should. I mean, depending on the situation, I'm sure you are going to be disappointed and there's going to be repercussions. But um, maybe it's a situation where they were peer pressured into drinking and maybe maybe you're not listening to the real story. And it's like, yeah, I honestly didn't feel safe and I didn't want to do that. And in, And if you immediately just start screaming at them, then they automatically don't have that safe space, safe space to communicate. Like, yeah, I really didn't want to do it, but they wouldn't leave me alone. And so it's like, okay, well, these are situations where maybe you don't have those friends anymore, mm-hmm. or maybe you find new friends, or this is how you can change the situation. And so it's like you, you potentially miss opportunities with your kids when you react in anger and impulse and don't just like when you expect things to be a certain way, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, just be open with them. And then, you can have a better then because if you're regulating your emotional IQ, then they can regulate their own emotional IQ a little better instead of just impulsively reacting to everything. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> yeah. So the last one is use mantras and self-talk. So if you've been here for any period of time, you know, we're big on mantras and we're big on affirmations and we're big on all of those things. So yeah. explain to yourself, like have that conversation with yourself, sort of like this fact finding mission of, I don't like what's happening, but I accept except that it is in fact happening yeah and i think that's like relevant to just the world in general Mm -hmm. like there's so many crazy things going on in the world and it's like at the end of the day you can really only control what you're doing you can't even really control what your household is doing you can do your best to do that because it's like your space but like i can't control what my boyfriend's doing i can't control what my parents are doing like they're going to ultimately do what they're going to do at the end of the day so it's like as long as i'm taking care of myself and then i'm positively impacting the people around me i can do my best to control whatever situation i'm in mm-hmm. and that once again is the you having control of yourself which then you can have control over other situations with how you react to things yeah so every single day we have thousands of opportunities to choose to go down that road of acceptance. We can let go of struggle. We can allow ourselves to experience difficult feelings that can lead to more feelings of groundedness and actually increase our ability to understand our children fully and to survive and, and, and not just survive, but actually thrive in the difficult parenting moments. And so that's what we kind of just wanted to touch on today (laughs) (laughs) after like 40 minutes of just blabbing but I think ultimately the word here is communication Mm -hmm. like you're creating a safe avenue for you and your child to openly communicate because how many times did you feel not validated as a child because there was no open communication Mm -hmm. because you felt like you couldn't tell them something because you felt like your parent was busy you felt like your parent was worried you felt like your parent it was it would scare your parent 
I mean, how many times have I messaged you and I'm like, hey, don't freak out about this, what I'm about to tell you. Just listen and let's answer logically. Because mm -hmm. sometimes with anxiety, you can have thoughts and things that are kind of scary for a family member who is maybe not in a great place mentally as well or that lives in a fear base. And it's like, hey, this is what I'm feeling or going through. Yeah. Like, what do you think I should do? And then it's like if if it was if it was someone who wasn't in control of their emotions and then they freak out, it's like, well, I'm never going to tell you this again because I know that I can't actually have a conversation with you about this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just loving first, trying to get that open communication set with you and your family members. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's honestly it. <laughs> yeah. Love first, open communication. And yeah. Yeah. All right, Parenting, guys. that's it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah, that's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. I mean, come on. There's the handbook right there. Says the child or says the person who doesn't have a child. No, there is no handbook. And I actually shared that with my girlfriend the other day. I said, I really, really wish there was a handbook on how to like literally There'd deal with so many every. Edits, <laughs> like, what? There'd be so many additions. It's like right? handbook, ch children's handbook, edition 7,430. Uh-huh. Got it. Yeah, because, I mean, can you imagine the difference of, like, parenting the 50s through the 70s through today where it's, like, everything yeah. is so different. And I think with the onset of technology and uh, just – I think we're – we are getting better at wanting to understand our children and wanting to understand ourselves. Yeah. So I think that's true. Yeah. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed this. It was a lot. We kind of went off on a few tangents, but they were definitely relevant, I think. Mm -hmm. So um, if you have a book that you feel like was relevant to this conversation, post it under the podcast page or email us because I know that a lot of parents would probably like to read that um, or just explaining things a little bit differently or a parent book that really impacted your life like that would be really cool for us to share as well because we're always sharing self-help books but we never really talk about like radical love and yeah. acceptance so even if there is something about that that's maybe not about children we can we can share that book as well mm -hmm. so we're always here to share information and knowledge with each other and just helping everyone grow as best they can um and have the avenue for as many resources as you can have to help support your journey. And if you're going through this and you have a topic that maybe you're having trouble with your child, like, let's talk about it. Maybe obviously not like on here, but we can talk about it in an email. We can talk about it um, and just maybe break down the situation of like what to do just so even you just feel supported. Yeah. Because sometimes like new age parenting is what I'll kind of call it, but I don't really think that's what the word would be. But just parenting differently than your parents, like you may not have the support system that you want. <laughs> so just trying to parent different, you may need a little bit more support than you than you may have. And we are here for that support. So, yeah. All right, guys, you can find us on Facebook, like what Sarah was talking about, for the Love of Two Hippies podcast. That's our private page. If you want to hop over there, post your books if you got it, send us a message, whatever you want to do there. Uh, and then we have our Instagram for the Love of Two Hippies. Is that podcast on that one? I don't even remember. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, for the Love of Two Hippies podcast is what the business page is called. Okay, perfect. Uh, so that's the public page. 
And then you can send us an email for the love of two hippies at gmail.com. That's the number two. So thank you all so much for joining us. And until next time. Don't worry. Boo, 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 boo. Be happy. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.